This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The BFM Breakfast Grill, connecting you to the top people and ideas. Powered by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. BFM 89.9, I'm Philip C and welcome to The Breakfast Grill. Now on today's grill, or should I say bake, we have with us Alex Rosso, Chief Executive of Bake with Yen. Now for many of you aspiring bakers with your burnt muffins and charred sourdough breads that you subjected your families to, you will most be certainly familiar with Malaysia's largest baking ingredient retail store. A very good morning, Alex. How are you keeping? Thank you, Philip, for you welcoming me to this morning. Now, Madam Yen Kong Moy opened the first Bake with Yen in 1987. 20 years later, in 2017, Creator took over jump-starting from 15 outlets in 2017 then to nearly close to over 19 sto- 90 stores in five years. Is the goal in the next five years to continue to grow at this pace? Yes, actually, we we have been growing uh, very fast in the past uh, in the past years. This year was a bit uh, challenging year, but uh, we are re- re- transforming the, co- the company a bit to make sure that our foundation are good, mm-hmm. uh, and for sure we will continue to grow to be to keep the largest uh, retail uh, chain uh, of baking ingredient in Malaysia. Yeah. What were the challenges? You think it was a very challenging year in 2022. Why was it challenging? Just a challenge about the the market trend in terms of uh, uh, before COVID. Pre-COVID and post-COVID, which is a little bit uh, challenging because we have, uh, during the COVID time, a lot of home bakers mm. starting to bake, starting to do it uh, for a living. Uh, and post-COVID, everybody starting to go out. So we're shifting from home baker to more B2B or Oreca, like hotel, more people traveling and everything. So it's just a shifting of, uh, of customers. Uh, so how are you pivoting the business in view that your customer segments are changing substantially, right, from the pandemic to post-pandemic? How have you shifted your strategies to reflect the changing customer segments you have? Actually, for example, if you're looking on the B2B, that's been all the coffee shop, bakery shop that you have uh, opening a lot in, uh, in Malaysia post-COVID. Actually, we set up a dedicated team that going mm. door-to-door to try to propose our product. Uh, so before we was waiting for the homemaker to come here now we are going to the to the B2B customers door to door to propose our prop, uh, our product we have more than 4000 products available for them our price and all our services to the coffee, bakery and uh, restaurant. But when I hear you, it really sounds like then the next five years won't be a period of growth because 2022 seems to be a very tough year for you. That the growth that you've had in the past five years cannot be replicated for the next five years. Actually, it's, it is because the market is still very big. Uh, today we estimate uh, we don't have 100% of market share, right? Today we have a lot of baking still a passion for the people. Mm. People still bake because they, they love it, because they fun with the family, because they, they do for a living. And now we just have a new customer segment, which is the B2B, that today, before actually we were not so strong in B2B. We were strong in B2C, we were strong in uh, home baker, but in B2B we were not too much present. So actually we are shifting more to the B2B customer. Uh, so this is new growth for the next coming years. I wonder how that reflects in the margins because I can imagine investors like Credom, patients must be running super thin. If you look at the numbers, the financial numbers, yes, top line looks great, right? In 2017, 40, 50 over million, now 370 million, but profit margins have collapsed from 26% margin when Credom took over to now just less than 2%. Were you hired this year to fix the PL? Uh, it was not 26%, but uh, you're right. Uh, the important is that, especially with uh, the rising cost of uh, in uh, around the world, 
what we want to do is to make sure that we have the, the suitable price, affordable price for the Malaysian people. So we are investing a lot in our margin, but what I've been done in the past, uh, especially with the team since uh, we're starting in March, yeah. we start to work on a lot of efficiency, a lot of cost optimization to make sure that all our costs going down, all our operating costs going down, we are more efficient than before to be able to reinvest on our pricing. Yeah, so if I look at it, same store growth, right? The, the revenue per store, it did grow 8 to 10% per year or KEGA, right, in the past five years. So you really have a challenge on the bottom line. You have a challenge in the margin. And it sounds like you're not passing over the cost to the consumer, that you don't want to, to keep prices affordable. But that comes at a significant loss to the margin, isn't it? Are you able to continue to sustain and to absorb all this cost instead of passing it on to the consumer? Or is this part of a strategy to build market share then? So we have... A we build the market share for sure, but also mm. we want to keep our loyalty uh, with our mm. customers. So that means we don't want to pass all the costs in our, in our, to our customers. So we have operating cost uh, uh, in initiative, but also in terms of margin, we are buying more in bulk. Uh, we are importing more. We are de- developing more our private label. Uh, mm. Private label is something that we very... How much very, more margins is a private label versus buying outside? Like how bit, much better margins are there? It's a bit complicated to say because according to the category, but we can say that, example, in the butter, we are about 15% cheaper than a national brand. Right. Uh, more for other categories. So we try to bring really value for money for the customer uh, for the same quality. For example, if you check our Aussico, it's a New Zealand butter. Uh, we are very cheap comparing to the national brand. So this is something with the same quality we can offer a good value for money for our customer. So in my mind, right, how do you drive and improve margins now? Because 1.6% is really cutting it thin. When I hear you, there are two strategies. One is you're going to shift your portfolio a bit. Number two is economies of scale by bulk buying per se. So when are we going to go back to your double-digit margins? When do we see that happen? Will that happen in 22 or is that much later? It will on? happen in 22 because we uh, we make some initiative this year. Even we close, we close some stores. Mm. We improve the efficiency in the store. We we make a lot of automatization of our system. We take this opportunity of changing the, the, the customer's behavior to transform the company to be more profitable and more operational. So what will what will happen next year is that we can work with the same uh, same margin. We can maintain our margin, improve the margin because we import uh, direct import, and we we can secure our margin bottom line. How many stores have you closed so far this year? We closed about 20, 22? 22 stores. So 22. basically at the start of 2017, you had 15, you grow to about 95, you brought it down back to 70 already. Uh, about, then. yes, correct. How do you decide which stores to close? I mean, because originally when you first came in, it was very much a Clang Valley proposition with something in Ipoh. So when you say closure, where are the closures taking place then? I mean, we find out that some customers are sharing the same store, one store sharing the same customers. So mm. we you say, is it uh, something that we should uh, carry in terms of should we open many stores or should we close some store to be more profitable in our pricing so this is more about which store was closer to the other one and which store was non-profitable actually it makes a lot of sense in the view that your customer segment is shifting from b2c to b2b right so are you expecting more store closures taking place when you see the strategy shift towards more b2b you don't need so many stores then isn't it you really can right size and bring it down to even half of that essentially right so at what point do you say this is enough i need this minimum storage to say to deliver the number actually this is uh we will not close anymore Uh, okay this is what i've been working this year that's mean we we define all these stores, but doesn't mean that we stop the expansion we're just rearranging our store network and uh, our model. So this is, uh, we, we will not close any more store. And actually, we are looking next year even to see new location that is suitable for the customer. So I guess then the question in my mind is, you know, Credo has come in five years. They have 
drive driven the growth clearly they're not happy with the margins clearly it's a very thin margin to the business how have they helped you um basically grow the business or actually drive it towards profitability what expertise have they given to you so far actually they bring a lot of expertise especially on data analysis about the market outlook this is very important for us to anticipate the market uh, so we know for example the all the cost uh, all our costs will be increasing and everything so they are here really to support us in terms of uh, advising uh, in terms of uh, also connection with some other customers, possible customers like T-Life mm-hmm. and everything. So they are here as a support uh, to grow the company together. Because I can imagine the frustration that, you know, someone like Bake with Yen would have done extremely well during the pandemic, but it wasn't reflected in the numbers. And so now if you enter into a travelling challenging mode in 2022, that's a double whammy, isn't it? Because you should have made money and monetized so much in, in the pandemic because of all these uh, B2C kind of customers. Now you're forced to shift to B2B. What is the aspect now, how much of your customer base is B2B versus B2C? Hello. What's the target in the well, next I, I just want, uh, yeah. Philippe, I just want to, to mention that uh, we are shifting to B2B because we were not too present in the B2B market. Mm. But the B2C is still very important. Uh, I'll give you an example. Today, we have a, we have a lot of non-bakers in Malaysia. Yes, me included, but although I yeah. bake terribly. So, <laughs> so I know if you buy, for example, your butter in the supermarket, today yeah. you will buy between a pure butter from European, you will buy from 14 to 18 ringgit. If you go to Bequivian for the same butter, you will buy less than 10. Uh, so this is, again, we, is, the B2C is still important. It's just that today people are going out more than before. But now what we are at, trying to attract also is a non-baker because you buy the milk, you buy the, the butter, you buy all these kind of things that today, even if you don't bake, you need it. I guess then you you are kind of shifting to a convenience store kind of mode, isn't it? When you take that kind of approach that you basically diverse, you divert away from just purely meeting baking needs to other kind of staple requirements. Is that a is that a slippery slope to enter in in the grocery kind of format? Grocery, but more on the baking cooking side. Let's say we will stay on our on our categories. We will not go on the. So you're adding more SKUs as a whole. We will also add more SKUs. Does that not complicate your logistics then if you do that? No, because we have already. Uh, I mean, all our support, all our warehouse, our fleet of uh, delivery mm. truck and everything. So the only thing is that already with the current, we know that we can catch a lot of non baker. Mm. And today, even to be honest, we make a survey uh, last week. 80% or 85% of our current customers didn't know that we were cheaper in butter than, uh, than what we can find in the supermarket. Mm. I guess then the question in my mind is when people come to you, is it really just price then? I, I, I just worry that when you say that your key proposition is about price, that you're protecting, you know, and you're helping the customers save money, you really can't move the margins if the whole key proposition is price. No, actually, it's that we have also uh, services. Uh, when I speak about services, also we have uh, all the certification, HSCCP, LL, uh, certified mm-hmm. by Jackim. So uh, we will not compromise the quality. Very I important. know, I know, but the, but the point is that you know, with all these things, you should have pricing power, isn't it? Because we need you need that pricing power to drive margins. Correct. Correct. So actually, mm-hmm. this is thanks to our volume. Uh, yeah. We are the largest baking ingredient uh, in uh, in Malaysia, and today, thanks to our volume, we can buy in bulk and we can uh, sell at a better price. Or right, we're going to take a short break on The Breakfast Grill. Alex Rosso from Bake With Him. Up next, baking post-pandemic. World Dough Rice, BFM 89.9. You are listening to The Breakfast Grill, brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. Welcome back. I'm Phil C. And fresh from the oven is Alex Rosso from Bake With Yen as we unpack the performance as Malaysia's largest baking ingredient retail store without the sugar coating. Now, Alex, if I ask you right, you know, Bake With Yen is very synonymous in Malaysia. Are there any plans for regional expansion? Uh, 
the market is big also in other countries, but we want to focus first on the, on the Malaysian market to strengthen our position here and to make sure that we can deliver the best for the Malaysian customers first. What's the size of operations you envision to see in Malaysia? What kind of revenue numbers do you look at or margins to look at in Malaysia before you say, okay, it's time now to go beyond Malaysia? Because you do have operations in Singapore. Uh, but tell me a bit about what kind of growth do you expect to see in Malaysia? What kind of numbers do you want to see before we can even contemplate about regional expansion then? Actually, we create uh, the, the vision for us is, uh, is to double the size of Bequivian because the market is big. Uh, we have only a small percentage of the market share. Uh, so we have, I cannot tell you a number, but at least it's to double the size of Bequivian. So double the size. Now in, in 2021 revenue, about 370 million. Okay, talking about 750 to 800 million ringgit it's then, essentially. Double the size of Philippe. Double the size. <laughs> um, we'll talk about Singapore then. How is it performing then when you look at the numbers? And how different is that market versus Malaysia? Because I see in, Malay, in Singapore, you do push a lot more of the savory baked items and all that. How different are the markets then between Malaysia and Singapore? Hello, this is operating by uh, different provider a different provider so yeah, yeah and i guess then when you say just now one of the key things you have done is actually built in in-house baking products right butteria butterage kotura good earth and mamalina um what is the plan then to add all these in-house baking products into your sku how much do you expect them to contribute to the top line you know in three to five years so time? in uh, today's we are about 25 percent only yeah. uh, uh normally in the in the coming years should be around 50 percent Mm. Uh, the because, goal is to half that essentially because we need to make uh, to be to build loyalty. Yeah, uh, our current customers know know, the, know our products, they know the qualities, they know the the price and everything. So now we try to increase our yeah. customers to uh, to our in-house uh, brand. And is the retail concept, is the way how you design the stores very different? Because what I've seen in the past one, two years, there's been a lot of changes to how you've actually introduced your retail concept. You've had these kind of superstores, I think one just down the road here at Taman Tundra to Ismail. Also at the same time, you've also introduced the store within a store f- format, uh, a giant hypermarket uh, at Shah Alam, right? What is the strategy going for? Are you going to take an approach where there are all sorts of formats taking place all around the world? Or are you going to try and streamline everything? Thing. No, actually, uh, the one you, you, you saw just close to here is uh, because our customers say they wanted to have better alley, a better uh, uh, environment, so we make mm. a kind of uh, better store for, for the customers. One thing very important, what you saw in the in a giant, we have a shopping shop in giant because today we we know that the baking become, uh, you go to all hypermarket now, they have a baking uh, section. Because mm. it's again something that is developing in, in Malaysia much more. So you see, and customers of hypermarket is B2C. So mm. it's to come back on what, what you said before, is that we still ca- carry the B2C customer. And it's why we go with the hypermarket to develop uh, our awareness, Bequivian awareness. So with B2C, the key is actually partnerships with all these retail hypermarkets to put your concept within the store. Tell me a bit about how the commercial arrangements look like. Do you rent the space for them? Is there a revenue share, profit share? How does it's, it work it's a consi- with the like of giants? It's in a shopping shop, so it's a consignment. Yep. Uh, that's mean we manage the area. It's mm. uh, our stock. We manage the customer service we have our own staff and everything so it's uh, how we are working so we, we launched the first toys in Shalam yep. but also in other uh, retailers we are selling also some product our in-house mm. brand so we have different models that we are still discussing with the modern chain retailer uh, to see how we can cooperate better for 2023. June 2022 was that first uh, store within a store at Shah Alam. What's the plan in the next three to four years? How many more store within the stores do you plan to introduce and is it just only with Giant? 
Actually, it, we are still under discussion because we need a space as well. You need so all the hypermarkets cannot provide all the, the mm. similar space. So we are under discussion. So I do believe after Chinese year we'll have a kind of more clear uh, deployment plan. Mm. I, I think it's very interesting that as you talk about how you reach out to customers. Um, in this time when we enter 2023, and many people are talking about very uncertain times, uh, I mean, 2022, the, the, the buzzword was inflation, cost of living. How is Bake with Yen, I think, trying to help customers go through these very difficult times while still being able to maintain some decent margin for the business? Right. Well, actually, it's uh, we speak before about the cost, but uh, we also launched some uh, ESG uh, initiative. Uh, which also help us on the cost as well. Mm. Uh, for example, we reduce the electricity consumption by uh, 12%. Uh, we adjust also our delivery truck delivery to our store, so we save about 0.7 metric uh, metric uh, ton of CO2. Uh, and we're so all, for example, you know the cashier receipt in the in the in the thing we reduce by 30%. So we save also some uh, mm. some paper. So all these kind of things help us to uh, to keep our margin. Yeah, paper electricity is great, but you know, the big issues are commodity prices. The big issues is the weakness of the ring grid, right? The big issue is, you know, higher freight costs. I mean, these are the big ticket items, right? What do you strategically do to do all, to help manage all these things while you're feeling the pressure from the consumer wallet? Because I think for me, yes, electricity reduction, you know, paper reduction, digitizing stuff, it's all well and good, but it's small, isn't it? It's not material. Yes, actually, we were so. I think you saw all the class we, class we are doing in the, on our social media, yeah. right? Which uh, I plan to recommend Shaolin to go because she has to make for us a lot of goods every week. Very good. <laughs> so, uh, and also we are teaching how to, to bake at a better price. Mm. Uh, example, a bowl of quinoa, if you could eat outside, the price is about 30 ringgit. If you buy our pack of uh, of uh, quinoa in uh, Bake with Yen, for the same, for 10 bowls, you can pay it only at 9.5. So it's a different way of consumption. Uh, mm. So this is it's not only the pricing to keep the price low, also is to teach the customers how to to bake better, how to cook better. So help me understand. You know, I'm just reflecting on the past three years. So much has changed for you. The trends, the consumption trends, they have probably gone from one end to the other end. How do you do demand supply forecasting? How do you forecast what the demand will look like this Christmas? How do you forecast what demand will look like this Chinese New Year? And then how do you manage the supply chain and inventories to manage that? Because I'm sure this Chinese New Year is very different from last year's Chinese New Year. So what's your expectation, perhaps, let's say, for this coming Chinese New Year and Foraya, right? Because that's when you make all your money, isn't it? That's when the demand is at the highest. First, we are positive for the, the beginning of this year uh, because, again, we plan uh, So we plan our sales targets and our mm-hmm. demand planning for uh, 2023, the first half already, and we have now automatic uh, system uh, with give, giving us, based on the data, what should be the replenishment based on the previous year's uh, data. What's the lead time, right? What's the lag time, right? What, it's can what, be fr- what kind of sense do you get now for this coming Christmas, which is less than three weeks away? How, where, how is it shaping up, right? How do you know whether there's demand? And then can you make the orders in time it's, to meet the it's demand? It's difficult mm. to anticipate after it's a retailer job to, to, to estimate uh, based on our customers' feedback and yeah. everything. And our, because we are speaking to a lot of customers, coffee or whatever, so they give us also their, uh, their feeling. So we are taking, but we are very positive for the coming uh, coming beginning of the Chinese year and uh, Raya. So sense on the ground, I mean, we had a very tough first quarter this year, reopening. I think everybody went gangbusters. Full volumes coming through. This Raya was like chock-a-block full. Are you seeing slowness in demand in the quarter three, quarter four this year then? 
Uh, yes, the demand after Raya has been a bit a bit slow. It's weakened. Huh? Uh, yeah, it's been mm-hmm. weakened a bit uh, in the after just after Raya. You're right. Yeah. How big? How big? How big is the weakening? I mean, how substantive was it for you guys? No, I mean we still. Or are people just walking down the ladder, going and I buying mean, different we, things? We, as I say, we have a little bit less customers coming to the store, but people buying more. So it's kind yeah. of shift of uh, of uh, way of purchasing the product as well. So the average order size is reducing. People are buying less. They're still no, coming. No, they're buying they're buying more. They're but buying they more, but they less. Come, exactly, they're coming less. So this is coming to see that is what I speak about the non-baker. It's making me understand that the customers they don't want to travel, take the car, and spend gas and everything to go somewhere. So. Thanks to our old number of stores, we can be close to the customer. So it's why we want to attract this non-baker uh, to satisfy actually the, the non-baker part as well. So then what is the strategy, strategy to recession-proof the business? Everybody expects next year to be a very tough year for everybody. Already, as you said, you see a slowdown in quarter four. It's expected to continue next year. There's a whole discussion about improving public finances. You know, What are the actions you're going to specifically take to recession-proof the business next year then? So for us, it's if we just speak about the top line, is again we have uh, three orientation, mm. which is first attract the non-baker, because this is a new customer's mm. base for us. That's and today this market is huge. Mm. Uh, this is the first thing. The second thing is uh, aggressively enter the B two B market. Mm. That today actually we was passive. We just waiting the coffee shop or bakery to come. So <laughs> I think we just cover about only twenty percent of the coffee shop around our store. So today we have a huge potential to grow here. And the second thing is to find also a new revenue stream. Which is we, we spoke the about the, the cooking classes, the cooking class. Classes, we can speak about the modern chain like Giant or other retailer. We speak about some brand who want to, want us to become a distribution, mm. so we can propose our own exclusive brand to the to the customers. So voilà, this is the three orientation: yeah. is improve the current, improve the current productivity of our, what we have today, and find a new revenue stream. But the big one, I suspect, is the second lever, isn't it? Pushing the B two B market. Who is your competitor there? How do you differentiate yourselves versus the competitor? It's uh, it's the uh, this competitor is like uh, we have a lot of uh, name like DKSH and, yeah. and everything. But our strength today is that we are close to our customer. We are in all the state in Malaysia, so all the coffee we are staying, let's say in uh, in uh, in Kota Kinabalu or in uh, Cebu or or Bintulu, we are there. But honestly, closest to customer, that's what I think many people will say, isn't it? And with this digital environment, it's not a big thing. Is there another distinctive differentiator you have besides being proximity to the client? Service to the customers. I mean, today mm. they can work in the store. Our staff are very professional. Uh, mm-hmm. They can give a lot of advice because, for example, we find a lot of people opening a lot of coffee in East Coast, for example. Mm-hmm. So they come to our store to ask advice. And this is something that we can provide to them, okay, which kind of uh, product you should use and everything. So I think the serv- service in the, in this industry is very important. And you said just now for your third leave, uh, it was very important to get into the services business. Tell me a bit about what kind of services you are trying to introduce, right? And how interrelated is that third lever versus the first and second lever? So the first service I will mention it's uh, the availability of our store. Uh, mm-hmm. Because again, you can do all the service you want if you don't have the product. And as you know, the supply chain has been a little bit complicated in the past uh, few months. So it's why we automatize all our system of ordering. Uh, so we took this, uh, this, uh, this 2022 to automatize all our system to make sure that the customers can find their product. So let's say this is the first service that we will provide to the customers. Mm-hmm. And after we have order coming, but we will uh, announce it uh, very soon. 
Now, you know, many of us in the morning run, uh, we are heavier than usual compared to other belts in BFM because our wonderful team lead, Xiaoning, actually fills us with her delicious baked goods, you know. So she's one of those aspiring home bakers during the pandemic. Um, thank God, though, Xiaoning hasn't given up her day job. Um, actually, just kidding. She's a pretty decent baker. Help me understand, uh, you know, if she was to bake goods for us, right, what kind of goods should she be baking for us in the morning run team then? She's a good baker or not? Um, this is work a good, in important progress. question. Uh, work in progress. I think the key word here is work in progress. Okay, so I propose that she can cook uh, a strawberry shortcake. I mean, if she buy outside, she will pay it uh, 100 ringgit. If you buy the premixes, uh, wiping cream and butter in Bequivienne, it will cost only 33, but the quality will be very, will be very good. So I, I recommend the strawberry uh, shortcake. Okay, we will record this and send it over to Shaoning. <laughs> On The Breakfast Grill, we have with us Alex Rosso, Group CEO of Bake With Yen Holdings. I'm Philip C, BFM 89.9. The BFM Breakfast Grill is brought to you by U-Mobile. 5G now with you. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.